Like our Irish culture has always had a, a connection with outsiders. Gangland figures have taken on that role of being outsiders in our culture and that people relate to them as that. Jerry Hutch managed to become a type of celebrity. Bringing Jerry, Jerry Hutch to court, it probably was a, a moment that people didn't expect to see and it then all seemed to happen very, very quickly and very efficiently. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Jerry the Monk Hutch is back in an Irish prison for the first time in nearly 40 years after he was flown by the military into Baldonnell Aerodrome from Spain on foot of an extradition warrant. His appearance in the Special Criminal Court, where he was charged with the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Hotel in February 2016, was brief but dramatic. And today I'm talking to Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about the homecoming of the monk. We discuss the appearance of the 58-year-old in the dock, the book of evidence containing the state's case against him, and the 2022 trial date for Hutch. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. It's been a very busy 24 hours, Niall. I have I don't think I've been as busy in quite some time. Yeah, I mean it's 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 you know the the the, the landing and the bringing Jerry Jerry Hutch to court. It probably was a, a moment that people didn't expect to see. And it then all seemed to happen very, very quickly and very efficiently. And yeah. obviously he landed in in, in Aldonnell Airport um, yesterday evening. And, you know, often people um, who are extradited, they first come to a district court. They maybe get arrested in a police station and maybe brought to a district court hearing maybe 24 hours later. But he was brought by, um, Jerry Hutch was different. He was brought by armed guard uh, straight to the special criminal court and appeared last night um, in, in, at a special sitting. And it was probably a moment many crime journalists who thronged the court didn't expect to see. Well, while you were doing your desk jockeying, I was actually out in the field and I was down at the special criminal court for that. Um, now, earlier in the day, you phoned me to say we'd got an email in from the court service to say that there was going to be some limitations to the amount of people allowed in the court. They were obviously expecting a big crowd and uh, put a bit of the wind up me. I thought I'd go down early in order to try and get there. But um, yeah, they said that they were going to allow PA in and the court service, is that right? The well, the, the, court, the court reporting organisation yeah. that, that that are there every day reporting on all the court cases, so. Yeah, and that was basically just so as every every media, radio and newspaper, etc., could get copy from the court, you know, rather than let. But anyway, I went down early and there was uh, two guards on the, the doors of the courts, very nice, friendly guys, chatted to us. They told us that the, we were going to have to, there was an inspector going to come down, bring us up and, you know, it was either going to be first come, first serve, whoever got in or you know, they'd see what the numbers were like. So, um, yeah, I went up outside Court 11, which is Special Criminal Court 1. There's two of those running now for the last while, two Special Criminal Courts, but um, it was very sedate. 
there was, you know, bit by bit, the journalists arrived, the crime journalists. You know, I'd say there was maybe about 12 of us, 14 of us maybe. Um, and then there was going to be obviously the legal teams so they can actually bulk up the numbers in the court, you know, with social distancing and all the rest of it. Um, you can only have a certain amount. But actually, it was there was a solicitor there on behalf of the DPP, the state, and uh, there was, a you know, the court officials and then the guards that, that managed the courts. So there was really just Jerry Hutch's legal team. Um, we saw Brendan Grehan, senior counsel, arrive and uh, he was accompanied with solicitors Porrick Ferry and Tony Collier, who will be representing him. They're from Ferry Solicitors. Um, so interestingly, while we were sitting outside, you know the way, um, if you remember when you were in the field, which you probably don't, but you'd be sitting outside a court and there'd be a big case, whatever, and the journalists will line up on the seats outside and uh, there's whispers going on. Nobody's really playing to the gallery or anything, but somebody gets a tidbit of information. It goes up and down the line like a case of Chinese whispers, you know. But anyway, everybody seemed to know exactly where this flight was, right? You know, oh, it's over the UK. And then you could see people frantically texting newsrooms and stuff like this. Now, I didn't bother letting you know I just, I thought I'd keep it to myself. But um, yeah, they seemed to know exactly where the flight was. So I was talking to Robin Schiller from our own stable, from the Irish Independent, and he was able to show me that uh, they'd all downloaded this app that tracks a flight, uh, ADS Exchange or something he had. And you could see the little plane symbol coming. Now, this is a military aircraft carrying a very high security risk prisoner. And yet you, you were able to see exactly where the bloody plane was coming in. I mean, I didn't know this sort of technology existed, Niall. No, I mean, uh, and the people, of course, were on Twitter yesterday. While they weren't saying Jerry Hutch is on this flight, they were tweeting the movement of, of the planes. Um, so, I mean, it is quite incredible, but I suppose it's it's, you know, Maybe these flights aren't aren't secret as such, you know. Maybe they need they are need to be there for stop crashes and something. But it was uh, it, it is incredible that 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 people were able to see these things in real time. And it's again, it's going to show the impact of technology and how things in journalism have just changed because of technology. So much, like, and you know, we we'll preface this by saying, of course, that at the heart of what we're talking about today is a murder victim. David Byrne, who was killed in the Regency Hotel, and we respect that. But the fact of the matter is that the monk coming in home on that plane, it was like it was like as if there was a rock star coming into land. And it was like sitting waiting for the arrival of this celebrity on a stage or something. It was really, really sort of a strange thing, a strange atmosphere. Well, absolutely. I mean, I suppose it's a it's a complicated subject. I suppose the the nature of you know the interaction between celebrity and criminals. I suppose, and as you say, you know, the Regency Hotel shooting left whatever way you want to look at it left um, kids without a father has a devastating impact on a not just on on an immediate family but a wider extended group of people and people that love their their loved ones and, you know, no matter what that, that is there. But you do see, of course, that that the monk, you know, um, 
like our Irish culture has always had a, a, a thing, a, a connection with outsiders, I suppose. And Jerry Hutch um, managed to become a type of celebrity. I mean, you can, I said it before, but you can't forget that this, he was voted, I think it was 70th in, um, in a, one magazine's top 100 uh, sexiest men of Ireland. So Jerry Hutch had, um, rightly or wrongly, he became he became viewed as this kind of outside figure, this outsider. And, you know, I mean, obviously the Sunday world and yourself and myself will always be criticising, we're glamorising these people. And, and, you know, maybe that's fair, maybe it's unfair, but certainly these people, um, you know, the, these criminals, they became um, kind of celebrities. And Jerry Hutch was the one, the the most celebrity of 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 these these uh, criminals, so it is an in, it is an interesting thing to see um, that you know that maybe that there was a uh, you know that like like people tracking a celebrity coming into the country there was a bit of that, um, but but you know there is the other side to these things that that um, although like you know since since the dawn of time like if you look at say in the wild west you had. Billy the Kid, and you had in in the nineteen twenties, you had all these American figures, and you know they don't all these films. So gangland figures have taken on that role of being outsiders in our culture, and that people relate to them as that and find them fascinating, really. You know, and and again, we'll preface that with that the heart of this is a, is a tragedy and a murder, and um. Do you know that day at the Regency affected lots of other people as well, people who were there, who were there with their families. And we've heard that video, the screams of that child, terrified, running from gunmen and stuff. So um, anyway, we waited and uh, Schiller turned around to me, the young blood that he is with his apps, and showed me that the plane had been sitting on the ground at Baldonnell for some time. This was just before seven o'clock. Um, these, the solicitors arrived, so we knew that Hutch was going to have a meeting with his solicitors beforehand. He also would have had to have been charged by the police, the guards, before he arrived to court. So they would have been charging him out at Baldonnell Airport before he's brought into court. So eventually about, I'd say, a quarter past half seven, uh, actually, maybe it was nearer the eight o'clock mark. We went in, sat down into the special criminal court. Everyone got in, despite the uh, the fussing by me to get in early enough to be to get a seat. But uh, we all went in. There was no family, no Hutch family, no supporters of Hutch. Funny the way always when there's a Hutch situation or, or, or something is on, it's always very low-key, low-brow. There's never any fussing. There's never any pomp or ceremony. You know, bring you back to the Eddie Hutch funeral, which happened days after that very gaudy display of wealth and power by the Byrne organisation when David Byrne was buried. Eddie Hutch's funeral was an absolute, it was the stark opposite of that it was a simple family affair. And there is that element with Hutch that that is also, it makes him pretty fascinating as well that, you know, he's just like an ordinary guy, but he's not. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, you know, and you have to remember these are cultivated images, I suppose. I mean, Jerry Hutch has been in the media now for maybe 30 years, 
probably even more. I know there's a famous interview for, with him as a teenager. So you're talking 40 years. So people people who interact with the media constantly learn how to cultivate an image. And, you know, there's no doubt that Jerry Hutch has cultivated the ordinary, decent criminal image, uh, the kind of man of the people type of image. Um, but, you know, he's obviously, uh, there. there's obviously, it can be more, these things can be far more complex and, you know, there's a more sinister side to all these things, absolutely. But, um, yeah, so you see, obviously, the the special criminal court, there's, there's no jury, and um, you're going to see, I'd say, a very technical trial, and you got a sense of that yesterday, I'd say, in that um, there's not going to be loads of witnesses, there's going to be a lot of technical discussions about, and you even heard yesterday about the legitimacy of warrants and the procedural stuff, and maybe a, a, a sense that he shouldn't be in the special criminal court. Yeah, the constitutionality of that was mentioned, um, you know, as a possibility for something that may come up over the next couple of months, weeks, whatever. So I'd say you're going to see a very, uh, initially there's going to be a, a very technical defence on, on that sort of stuff, which is quite common in the special criminal court, actually. It's, there, there was obviously a, quite a quick set date as well, I think, really. Um, but there was, but we, we're all, we like, I have to say, even, you know, there was something about his appearance even. I mean, we're, like anybody that was there last night, most of us are veteran crime reporters these days. Is that not that many youngsters? But, um, you know, there was a sense, definitely everybody was watching, wanting to see what he, you know, what is he like? What does he look like now? How is he going to behave in court? And sure enough, eventually the, the door opened. The judges, three judges came in, we stood, and the door opened and in walked the main man. Now, I have take issue with some of the descriptions by my male colleagues of his, what he was wearing. Um, and I'll try and give you a better description, maybe. Um, his trousers, I can tell you, were not mustard. They were beige chinos. So he'd on this kind of stone grey, white, off-white, sort of a linen weave jacket. Now, I'd say bought abroad. You wouldn't find them that kind of a style in an Irish shop. And a, a sort of, again, a linen-y white shirt underneath and these chinos on him. And like Jerry Hutch is actually small. He's not a tall man, but he's 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 quite um, fit. You know, he's 58. He's, uh, the black hair is gone. There isn't a strand of it left. He is silver grey and he's a huge, big head of hair, you know, and down to the beard and... He'd a mask on. The bloody masks are very annoying, really, because you're trying to get a good look and a description of somebody and, and they do cover, um, you know, they can be helpful if, if you don't really want anybody seeing your emotions. But um, he, the eyes are unmistakable still, you know, those steely blue eyes are there. But he's very, very tanned. He looks very well. He looked very relaxed, um, very respectful to the court took it all in. He sat, at one point he sat back with his shoulders back, you know. Um, definitely not somebody who's stressed out. Um, Superintendent Paul Scott got up to to give some evidence about the um, the charging of Jerry Hutch at um, Baldonnell and about the directions from the DPP to charge him. Uh, he, at one point, was asked to point out the defendant and he turned around Hutch was just sitting 
behind him and they didn't make eye contact. He pointed at him. Of course, um, Paul Scott, the, the, the superintendent, is one of the many people who are getting a hard time online from some Twitter fake or anonymous Twitter accounts that are working away in the background in support of Hutch. Whether he knows about them or they're linked to him, we don't know. But certainly there's a lot of activity there. Um, and, uh, you know, the police officers in Ballymun who are heading up this investigation aren't alone, um, you know, having their, their reputations and whatever else smeared all over Twitter. But this is just part and parcel of this sort of operation in the background to try and create something, um, you know, some sort of conspiracy theories, some things that probably will never come before the court, but there's this sort of underlying threat, you know. Um, and again, that's not unusual in any gangland situation. That's the way these people operate. So, um, yeah, he certainly, he he's a guy who has... Such a deep tan. It's not like an Irish lad went out and got burnt and then it went from red to brown. It's this sort of, he's really spent time in the sun and, you know, years in the sun. He's this sort of leathery look to him. And, you know, as I was looking at him, I was just thinking they must have got quite a bit of outdoor in that Spanish prison. They must have been allowed um, a good bit of time in the exercise yard or whatever. Um it certainly didn't look as if he'd been locked up for 23 hours or anything like that. I mean, my abiding memory, and I've seen Hutch a number of times physically in the flesh, is this sort of white pallor with the black, black hair and then these blue eyes. And he has got sometimes a look of a shark about him almost. Um, but, you know, he definitely has changed. I had been hearing over the past few years, because um, he had been collated a lot in Spain, by law enforcement, that he had, you know, you might know him going down the street. Now, I have to say, I think you'd know him. You know, even though he has changed his appearance with the grey hair and the tan skin and everything, you'd still, there's that face is there, that Jerry Hutch has a very distinct face, I think, and, and you know. But anyway, they handed him, so he was officially charged then before the court, and they handed him the book of evidence, which is really quick. Like I've never actually seen them operate so quick. And it was a big, thick file. Um, now, thicker than anything you'd be walking around the office with, with your little notes in it. This was a big, thick file. And it's got all, obviously, the state's evidence against him. And there was also an envelope on top of it, which we were told had a USB key in it. And that would have the technical, technological rather, Evidence. Yeah, maybe maybe CCTV and that. But I mean, normally a book of evidence, somebody is charged, brought before the courts, and the book of evidence can take up to a year to to appear. So it is. It does seem. It does seem that it's all very much planned and very much expedited. There was also obviously a discussion about bail, which I thought was was quite interesting. Um, you know, I presume that would have to go to a high court to be discussed, but um. You know, that would be a very uh, controversial thing to see Jerry Hutch out on bail, I would think. But so like, they definitely seem to have had their ducks in a row in this case. Um, I suppose a case would have had to be built, gone to the DPP in charges before European arrest warrant would have been uh, issued. 
and we know that was back, it was last March that that European arrest warrant was issued. So, yeah, they have had, they exactly have their ducks in a row. Now, not only that was the was the book of evidence uh, served on him, but also he was given a trial date, 3rd of October 2022. He'd be tried alongside Patrick Dowdall, Jonathan Dowdall, Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy. And they're facing different charges. Some of them uh, are charged with facilitating this crime and Jonathan Dowdall will also face a murder charge. Yeah, so they tend, uh, they may run bits of the evidence may, when they run the cases together, there'll be bits of the evidence rather than repeating it a number of times in separate trials. And um, It's a way, I suppose, to, to hear certain bits of evidence. Some of it may not be controversial in terms of, you know, phone evidence and stuff like that. So rather than, yeah, have it head done a number of times and they kind of maybe try and build up a picture about the interconnectedness of each event. That's quite a quick date. I know people might listen to it and think that's a year and a bit, but in the Irish courts, particularly with the COVID, uh, which has pushed loads of things back a couple of years, and particularly at the Special Criminal Court, which has been particularly affected by by the COVID restrictions, that is speedy by, by, by the Irish yeah. It sure is. Yeah, no, I was I was really surprised. I have to say that they were, you know, I wasn't that, I, you know, when I came away from it, I thought, of course, they will hold those trials together because it would be ridiculous to have them separate. So it made sense. Now, um, he has had his two vaccinations, we heard, and he did a COVID test before he flew in on the military aircraft to Baldonnell and he's come up negative. And the reason we were told that um, Brendan Grahan SC told the court is because he wants access to his lawyers and he wants that pretty quick. So they're going to be sitting down, they hope, over the next couple of weeks. He's back up before the court in two weeks' time, at which point I presume they will signify whether they're going to apply for bail or what their next move is. But um, he, they will be meeting with him and, you know, they'll be putting together their defence. That book of evidence contains everything the state has against him. Um, people think that in a court case that a lawyer stands up and there's this sort of smoking gun and he pulls it out and, you know... Yeah, the American, the famous uh, last yeah. last minute introduction of a, a killer piece of a photograph taken from a window by... Yeah, that doesn't happen, you know. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I can present this to you now and then everyone looks in shock. That doesn't happen. So every piece of evidence the state has is contained within that book of evidence that Jerry Hutch now has. Well, he gave it to his lawyers. Um, so they will be going through that page by page and they would be trying to, if he pleads not guilty, which we're expecting he will, they will try and deconstruct each little bit of that evidence. So, yeah, inevitably there's going to be... Uh, mobile phone traffic and in a modern trial of this type and um, there's a lot of mobile phone evidence a lot of maybe cctv evidence a lot of linking um you know maybe bits of cctv from certain parts of the city and um, so although these these murder trials can get very heavy and bogged down actually when you're when you're covering them and um, because there'd be a lot of evidence about this mobile phone bounced off this tower and and all and that sort of stuff. 
So I'd say this will be a very technical trial and there'll also be, um, obviously, the, the, the discussion of the warrants. That could be very, very technical as well. Um, you know, and they, they've indicated that that, that would be a, a, something that they're going to look at. So um, it may not be, a, it won't be a, a blockbuster of the type that, that, that you described, a, a kind of a, a, a American a magical moments, unless you find mobile phones bouncing off each other to be exciting. Um, for all that said, like it's still, you're still going to hear harrowing evidence um, about the impact of a, a, a really, really horrific uh, shooting. Um, obviously, Jerry Hutch is, you know, we expect him to plead not guilty and say he's not involved, but nonetheless, you will. The fact is that somebody did die, and you're going to hear, you know, the same evidence, obviously, that's been in and out of the media, but it is harrowing and horrific. And, you know, there is, a, I suppose, a juxtaposition about, you know, this is Jerry Hutch, and he's, you know, he's all over TikTok, actually. I saw the, the an old interview from the RT, from Paul Reynolds, and people are oh, yeah. sharing clips of that. And, you know, that, that, that you know, that is a reality of, of Jerry Hutch's persona or his perception in Ireland. But there is another perception um, when you hear, if you look back on previous witness reports of, of the Regency, uh, what really is, a, a, you know, not something that should be trivialised or, or, or downplayed. Um, so it, 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 it is a, it's a big moment, I think, as well for the Gardaí, um, you know, not to get into people are doing their, that's their job to bring people before the courts nonetheless but it does show the persistence of the state I suppose and it does show that that however powerful and and you know certain people can be in in society the the the, the state can really grind through evidence and can really um has a lot of resources and you know if the right people are there they can really make progress. I think we can't finish talking about this without mentioning this because it is very significant. I mean, Daniel Kinahan is still a free man in Dubai and um, I'm a journalist, so I have to remain very blankety-blank about everything, but uh, seeing Hutch in the dock of the Special Criminal Court and knowing Kinahan is still free, I can see really why that irks people. The question on everybody's everybody's mind is when is Kinahan going to be brought in? And I would wager it'll be soon. You know, I would I would I would certainly wager that the end is coming, whatever you know, uh, you know, whatever that end may be, but um the end is certainly coming for him. Well I think the the, the road is getting narrower certainly for for the Keenan gang, but also for their associates. And you see, um, there's certainly been a sea change in attitude in, in, in the Emirates to the presence of organised criminals on their land. I mean, it's an absolute transformation. And, you know, they're, they're actually coming out and doing interviews about how they've obviously got to a point to realise that this is not the way they want to go. <clears throat> and I think that more than anything, more than any threats from any other side that that without that that security blanket, um, the people, the organised criminals in Dubai are are, it's had its day there, just like it did in Holland. It had its day. It had a it had a boom time, and then 
all of a sudden they were in the courts and then they went to Spain and the same thing happened. They had a boom time, they were the, the authorities were behind, but eventually they did to a degree catch up. And I think that's happening over in the Emirates now as well. And I think what we do know is that, and not to sound like we're defending the guards, but we do know that the Guardi here have been working tirelessly on the dismantling of the Kinahan organization. That a European arrest warrant does not work in the Emirates. That's just, there is no extradition treaty between ourselves, our Europe and the Emirates. It's the way it is. And the reason for that is because the Emirates have a certain punishment regime that we would not agree with. So we wouldn't be handing somebody back to them when they will punish somebody for drinking alcohol in the streets or for, you know, holding hands in public or whatever these things are. As a democratic society, we do not believe in punishing people. We do not believe that they are crimes. So that is why we don't have this extradition treaty between the the two countries. Um, But nonetheless, look, it is a cause of huge upset and anger in many quarters that Hutch is in the dock and his arch nemesis is still a free man. Yes, but maybe that's just for the moment. And maybe that's for a future Crime World podcast. We'll be talking about that. Absolutely. So Niall... Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.